Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another wonderful week of sisterhood. As has been mentioned, we are wrapping up the unseen journey with lesson 10 tonight that's entitled The Completed Character. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you are ready. Are you at the edge of your seats in every way? I'm not convinced. All right, so pencil in hand, pen ready to go, hand out close by, and we're just going to dive right in. We are all on a journey. We are walking toward the fulfillment of our God-given destiny, and along the way, with every step, God is actually building and forming in us the character that is needed to uphold and support the destiny he has planned for us. It's interesting, uh, Henry Blackaby said this about character, nothing is more pathetic than having a small character in a big assignment. Many of us don't want to give attention to our character. We just want the big assignment from God. I think there's truth in that statement. And tonight we're going to talk about the vast importance of character with regard to the destiny that God has in his heart and mind for each one of us. Character is important, say important. All right. The hard truth, though, is that many people will not fulfill their destinies. Why? Because they refuse to let God develop their character. If you're going to let God develop your character in order to pass the test, so to say, you're going to need to be a person who submits and who forgives and who obeys God and his promptings. You're going to need to be someone that is teachable and shapeable. Here's the deal. God's always going to love you. His love for you is non-negotiable. It is ever, everlasting. But if we take our own path, if we do things our way and refuse to let him shape and mold our character, the truth is we end up disillusioned and disappointed with unfulfilled destinies. By not allowing him to shape our destiny, you can actually say that we sort of, sorry, by not allowing him to shape our character, you can say that we actually forfeit the destiny. And that's, that's a heavy thought, isn't it? But it's true. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, we read of the inward man being renewed day by day. And this is really speaking to character. God is always at work, always giving us opportunity to be shaped in character. And for some, that might be a paradigm shift. Instead of looking at the drudgery of, oh my goodness, this is so hard, to just shift the paradigm ever so slightly and say, what I'm experiencing is actually an opportunity to have my character shaped and completed so that I'm ready for the destiny God intends. Isn't that interesting how just changing your perspective can be uplifting to you? So if we talk a little more about character, I can say my character is my typical behavior. And my typical behavior, my character, has to be equal to the destiny that God has waiting for me. They should kind of be in balance, if you will. If my typical reaction to circumstances is one of fear, then I'm probably not really ready for my destiny. If my typical reaction is, say, one of focusing on my five senses and not what God says, then I'm probably not quite ready for my destiny. You know, if I call a friend or seek the internet for counsel before going to the Father God, giver of wisdom, then I'm probably not quite ready for my destiny. Like a home needs a foundation to support it, our destiny needs character undergirding the destiny, okay? So what is this character that we're looking for? How do we define it? I wanna share with you and have you look for, and maybe even circle as we go through these scriptures together, 
Some words that are used synonymously, words like mature, complete, perfect, full. All of these words are used one for another, meaning there's nothing missing in our character when we have a completed character. There's nothing left, nothing wanting, if you will. That should sound good to you. And perhaps you wonder, my gosh, I want that. It should be appealing to us to have a completed, mature, full character that would support the destiny God has for us. A key to arriving at perfect and complete character is <clears throat> excuse me, letting the fruit of patience do its work. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We are to let patience do its perfect work. Allow it, right? The Amplified there says that the result is that we be fully developed with no defects. Can you recall last semester we talked about flourishing? And in one of the lessons that I presented to you, I said that when we get born again, when we give our lives to Jesus, become a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in us. And I said, just like when we have company come to stay, they bring their stuff, right? They bring their suitcases. We can think of when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings his stuff, which is his fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and so on. You and I don't have to work on having love. It's already been put in us by the Holy Spirit. And similarly, patience is in us. So when James instructs us to let patience have its perfect work, we simply cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God. It is entirely possible for us to let patience have its perfect work. And if we do so, if we let patience have its perfect work in us, this is a little fill in the blank here for you, the end result is we will be perfect and complete, full, mature. Wow, so what's this gonna look like? Well, in 2 Peter 1, we read some of the good characteristic traits that we will be seeing manifest in our lives. Giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, love. And if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to stop here for just a second and say, if while I was reading this, the thoughts occurred to you, oh my, I'm depleted in brotherly kindness, and holy moly, I need to work on dil uh, diligent self-control, and oh my, uh, uh. no, 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 no. This is not your spiritual to-do list. This is not for you to do. You've forgotten something that's really important. And Peter goes on in verse 9 to say, he who lacks these things, you feel like you lack these things, you've been short-sighted even to blindness because you've forgotten something. And that is that you've been cleansed from your old sins. Your old character is old. It's a thing of the past. The Lord has made you new which means you have a new identity. I'm gonna tell you a little story. Back in the day before I was married, I was Kristen Anderson. Hmm. And after college, I taught sixth grade at Northfield Middle School, and it was glorious. And my students knew me as Miss Anderson. And in the summer of 1990, just 27 years ago, I married Keith, we said I do, and I became Kristen 
Peterson. And so Mrs. Peterson became my new identity, all right? Well, a month after our wedding, school was gearing up to start. I'd been in my classroom a ton and preparing my lessons, but having more fun with the bulletin boards, if you know what I'm saying. I wrote 29 welcome back to school letters to my new students. And of course, being sixth graders coming in, they were nervous because this is their first shot at middle school. So excited to meet them on orientation day. And when, when the principal had finished his welcome back speech in the auditorium, the kids came out in the hallway, this massive building, one by one with their parents and held their schedules and were looking for their homeroom class. And I'm standing out in the hallway so excited to meet my new cherubs. And the conversation would go like this, hello, and the child would say his or her name, and I'd say, I'm so glad to meet you, I'm Miss Anderson. <laughs> and then they would kind of go, what? And they'd step back and the mom and dad would talk and confer and say, you know, I think we're in the wrong place. We're looking for Mrs. Peterson. All right, well, the problem was, I had forgotten my new identity. Hmm. What confusion that caused. By forgetting who I really was, things got messed up. Ladies, are you hearing this? You forget who you really are, and things get messed up. Hmm? When you, you don't want to forget who you really are. You are not who the world says you are. You're not who your family tradition says you are. You are who God himself says you are right now. Amen? So, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your verse. You've been made new. Knowledge of who we are in Christ right now is essential in developing a mature and completed character. You could say this, becoming complete depends upon the knowledge that we are already complete in him. Hmm. Look what Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. This is saying that everything that God is, all of his amazing divine nature is in Jesus, and you and I are in Jesus. We're found in him. We're hidden in him. Notice the verb tense is present. You are, not you're going to be, but you are complete in him. This is so important for us to lay hold of as the church right now to recognize that we walk from the point of being complete in him. It's not the end goal we're trying to attain. It's the starting line, not the finish line. Hmm? You may wonder then, if you're tracking with me, is everybody tracking with me? You may wonder, okay, so wait, I'm, I'm, if I'm complete now, then what's the deal with a character development lesson? <laughs> right? This doesn't seem to make sense. Well, in a spiritual sense, yes, you are complete. Your born-again spirit, your spirit man is complete, full, mature. That happened when you received Jesus. But let me remind you that you are a three-part being. You are spirit. You have a soul, and you're housed in a body. And although we have completed spirits, we don't automatically experience this completeness in the area of our soul and our physical body. This is why we need to be transformed, right? This is why we need to learn who we are in Christ already, and then learn what it means to walk in this truth. How do we do it? Paul gives us a tip in Ephesians 3.19. He prayed that the church at Ephesus would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. 
that you may be filled with the fullness of God. If I were you right now, I would circle a couple things. I'd circle the fullness of God, and I'd circle know the love. And I would take a pencil or a pen, and I would draw a connector between those two things. You see, Paul is saying there is a connection between knowing his love and having the fullness of God manifest in your life. Revelation of the love of Christ leads us to being filled with the fullness of God, being made complete in every way. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, he, Paul wrote, he himself, meaning God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are the five-fold ministry gifts. And he goes on to say, excuse me, he goes on to say why God gave those gifts to the church. It was for the equipping of the saints, that's us, for the work of ministry. He gave us those five-fold gifts for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why, what's his purpose? till we're all coming into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, there's that word, mature, full, complete, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are you hearing his heart today? He wants us whole, really mature, complete in personality. It's like the perfection of Jesus is the bar for which we reach. And before you think to yourself, that's impossible, I want you to understand it's really not. Because our completeness, here's how it's attained. It's attained in really knowing him intimately, personally, one-on-one. It happens when we recognize what he's already done for us and we live accordingly. In a nutshell, becoming mature and complete comes from knowing him. There is no other way. If you leave here with nothing else, understand that to mature, you need to know him intimately. Have you ever sensed a beautiful spiritual maturity and completeness in someone? Where you observe her and you have the notion, wow, she really knows God. Perhaps you admire or esteem her because she walks in wisdom or because every time you speak with her, she has a word out of the Bible to encourage your soul, or she exercises faith despite the trauma that she faces. I want you to understand something. That woman got that way by spending time with the Lord. That's the secret. Because time spent with God is the source of godly character. It does not come any other way. The bottom line is if we want godly character, we need to augment or increase our time with the Lord and practice his presence, which leads me to share with you from a book. It's a very um, well-loved book in my home. It's on and off my shelf regularly, practicing his presence. It's a compilation of the journal entries of two men, one of whom is Frank Lobach, and he was born in 1884, and after serving the Lord for 45 years, he was in missions in uh, the nation in the Philippines. At his 45th year, he thought, I'm not content with my intimacy with the Lord. I want to be one who practices abiding in the presence of the Lord. And if you let me, I'm just going to read a bit of a an excerpt of a journal entry that he has here. He writes this, we shall not become like Christ until we give him more time. A teacher's college requires students to attend class for 25 hours a week for three years. 
Could it prepare competent teachers or a law school prepare competent lawyers if they studied only 10 minutes a week? Neither can Christ, and he never pretended that he could. To his disciples, he said this, come with me, walk with me, eat and sleep with me, 24 hours a day for three full years. That was their college course. He chose them, the Bible says, that they might be with him 168 hours a week. All who have tried that kind of abiding for a month know the power of it. It's like being born again from center to circumference. It absolutely changes every person who does it. I want to encourage you to engage with him, to practice his presence, to recognize that he is with you in the shopping center, driving to work, at the coffee break, in the bedroom, in the dining room, all day, every day, to speak with him, to abide in him, to read his word, to meditate upon his scripture, because all of these things lead to knowing him more deeply, and knowing him more deeply leads to godly character, and godly character leads to the fulfillment of your destiny. Do you hear this? And it's not under coercion, it's about a love affair, actually. <laughs> the depth of his love for us. He yearns for us to say yes to his invitation. <laughs> As we examine the next few verses, I just want to point your attention to two things. One is that each of them speaks of us being made complete. I'm trying to demonstrate to you that it is in fact God's heart for you to be whole and complete. And that also, the second thing is, I want you to see that completeness is a result of the Lord doing the work. Who does the work? The Lord. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began it? He did. Who's gonna complete it? He will. Say he will. He's not gonna start it and then tell you to finish it. That's not how he works. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete. You hear it again. Scripture was given so man would be complete. How does this happen? Through the power in the word of God. That is, Jesus is the word. He does it. The amplified version of Hebrews 13, 21 should be on your handout. I invite you to read it with me. Say it like you mean it. May the God of peace strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ the Messiah, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Does yours say that? To the ages of the ages, amen, so be it. Let me tell you, if you have struggled with trying to make yourself have self-control or make yourself be kind, I want you, I'm assigning you as the teacher here. I'm getting a little rowdy. I'm not sure I have this authority, but I'm gonna go for it. Put this in front of you this week to be reminded that he's the one that works in you and he equips and strengthens and perfects you and makes you what you ought to be. Just simply say, Lord, I'm reminding myself and I'm thanking you that you do a good thing in me as I yield myself to you. Hallelujah. Our role, again, is to remain patient, to let patience have its perfect work. As I think about spending time with Jesus, I just can't help but think about Mary. 
In Luke 10, we read of Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary are sisters, and Martha invites you know, Jesus into the home and then gets real busy and gets a little ticked off. In verse uh, 40, we, come, we pick up the story. Martha was distracted with much serving. She approaches Jesus, and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Come on. And Jesus answers and says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary's chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I'm going to say it again. Let it just settle down into you. One thing is needed. This verse helps me so much because when I get up, and put my feet on the floor very often. I start having, today I need to do this, and today I need to do that, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and then I need to go here, and I need to go there, and I need to do this, and I need to call her, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. And my prayer is that if that's you, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you'll hear him say, psst, there's just one thing that's really needed. It's time with me. Mary did it. She sat at his feet and listened to his word. And while she did that one thing, the power in his word changed her. And his loving presence changed her. We're talking about being changed. I think when Jesus responded to Martha, I think when he said, Mary's chosen the good thing and it won't be taken from her, I think really he was considering his desire for Martha's completeness. He may have said, Martha listen, Martha, listen, I want you to grow up spiritually just like Mary is. I want you to be whole and complete in character as Mary is being made complete. I want you to be whole, Martha. Say, you can keep your spotless home and you can clean out your drawer one more time and you can make your five course meals and you can drive your children to every kitty sporting event in the face of the history of the world for a million years, <laughs> right? You can go to the health club daily and scroll through your social media, but none of these things are needed, needed to develop your character to make you spiritually mature. And hear me, I am not saying that these things are wrong things. It's nice to keep a well-kept home and to make a good meal, but I am saying that we can be those who, like Mary, we submit our to-do list to Jesus. We can become those who don't put anything but time with God as our number one priority so that we're sure to practice his presence, to spend time with him, knowing that he is doing what only he can to refine us, to prepare us for what lies ahead. Amen? Our character is dependent upon knowing him with this intimacy. And if we're gonna arrive at our destiny, we simply must get to know him more. I was thinking about how blessed Mary and Martha really were to have the chance to choose to actually sit at his feet, to actually lean in physically to hear his vocal cords. I wonder what tone of voice did he speak with? What did his laughter sound like? What an awesome chance they had. And of course, you and I live in a different day. Jesus has returned to heaven, but when he did so, he sent his precious Holy Spirit to be able to 
engage with every single person who would say yes, all at the same time, no longer contained by one physical body. It's glorious, and so you and I have the chance, we have the chance to open a book that's alive. We have the chance to read not words of journalists or authors per se, but to read words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, I think about Martha and Mary being blessed, but I'm not sure we lack in any blessing. We can hear from the Holy Spirit who speaks uniquely to each one of us depending upon where we're at in the journey. It's amazing, actually, isn't it? And here's something more. When we choose to engage with him in this manner, we actually engage in being transformed supernaturally. Again, it's what he does in us. Every single one of you has a testimony of having already been transformed. The person you are today isn't the woman of two years ago. Think of it, it's glorious. See, the word of God is our spiritual mirror. And when we look into it, we actually see the part of us that's already complete in him. It's his reflection alive in us. We see Christ in us. And the more we behold, listen, we don't glance, but we behold and we meditate upon and we fix our eyes upon his word, upon him, practicing his presence, the more we do this, the more we become like him. Wow. Awesome. 2 Corinthians 3.18 speaks this way, all of us with unveiled face because we continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Note that this transformation happens over an extended period of time. Hear this. It's through the ups, but you know what? It's also through the downs. It's when it's easy and fun, but also when it's difficult and challenging. In, in times of affirmation, as well as times of discipline, <laughs> it's when our branches are bursting with fruit, and also when he prunes those that he decides we no longer need. We continue to keep our eyes focused on the Lord, focused on his promises, despite uncertainty, despite what it looks like in the natural, Despite the unknowns, we continue to behold him. We continue to gaze upon him. Amidst the days of pain and discomfort, the challenge, the hardship, we keep going back to the word and trust him in the process. Why? Because in Romans 5, 3, and 4, we learn that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces what? Character. 
So when you're walking through hardship, my friends, when you're being pruned by the master gardener, I want you to keep in mind more so than any of your circumstances or what you're feeling, keep in mind that your wonderful, loving Father God is preparing you for the destiny he's designed you to have. And he is producing godly character, and this is a good thing. And like I said, it may not be fun, and it may not be easy, but it is good because God is good, amen? And the destination that he has in mind for you is an amazing one. And so the best thing that you and I could possibly decide right now, are you ready to decide with me? I'm gonna decide again and probably again tomorrow and the next day and forever is to trust him. Say, I will trust him. And I'm gonna submit to his training. I will submit to his training. Why? So that when we get to the spot and hear him say it's time, we find ourselves ready and complete. See, character matters, and there is no rushing the process. And one day, you will finally be able to say, I'm standing in the fruition of what I've been believing him for. I am standing at at the manifested promise. I am looking face to face to my destiny, what God has been designing and doing for me all my whole life long. I'm right here. I've gotten to it. And you'll look back at the path that seemed so long and so hard. But all you'll, all you'll see are blessings. You know why? Because you're looking from that vantage point through a lens that is whole and complete and made perfect in him. And once you see that character that he has developed, I'm telling you, you're gonna get happy. And you're gonna be overwhelmed with gratitude to the point where you could hardly imagine ever being able to say, thank you, God. But in fact, you will say, thank you, God. I wanna take a moment as we close just to pray about this very thing, to thank him now for what we know is coming. Will you join me? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're good. I thank you, God, that your word tells us that your plans for us are good, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and designed for your purposes. I thank you, Father, that our role is to let patience have its perfect work, to submit ourselves to you and to trust our loving Father. God, we thank you today for the awesome wonder of a future in you, for the awesome plans and purposes that you are working to bring to pass. And God, I pray for each woman here that she would know the grace to enjoy this journey, to resolve to continue to behold, to behold who you are, your face and your truth all the way with every step. We give you praise and honor tonight, Lord. We thank you for your story of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Love you, bless you, have a wonderful evening discussing.